right, final week of me giving you bad advice, and so excited to do this. And uh, today, I want the bad bad advice topic is something I think that we all struggle with. I think it's something that's always presented to us as we're trying to live out our life and our Christian life. But the bad advice to you would be this. It's bad advice if somebody comes up to you and says something to you along these lines. It ought to terrify you. So if someone comes up and says, hey, it ought to terrify you if, and then you put something on there, or uh, it should scare you to death if. If anybody comes to you from a stance or a place in life and they're trying to put fear on you, that's bad advice. If somebody is trying to come along you, to, uh, to your life, come alongside you, and maybe even statistically, statistics may come to you and say, oh, you need to adjust your life. You need to live in fear because statistics say, are you with me? Yeah. Oh, 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 nope. At your age, you're divorced and you have kids. It's never going to be. Are you with me? And so if anything comes along your path and it tries to place fear and anxiety and hindrance on your life, that's bad advice. Are you with me? Because the scripture and the call of God that we're going to see today is God is always saying to his people, fear not. Don't walk in fear. Don't be a people in fear because God has already overcome death, hell, and the grave. Are you with me? And so today we're going to look at like, how do we live a life um, that is not bound by fear? We're going to have times of fear. But it's a whole nother thing to be bound by fear or to buy in or to believe fear. Uh, we live in a time, though, uh, that fear is being sold to all of us. It's impossible for us to avoid a fear message. I'm actually seeing the topic of fear bleed its way into ministry and the pastoral life that I'm a part of. Uh, I'm getting articles and I'm getting invited to conferences and webinars and video chats. And the topics of these things are things like seven staggering statistics every pastor must know. And so you're like, oh my gosh, this is, I need to know. I'm in fear. Uh, one, this is a literal uh, one that I heard. It was this, four paralyzing problems every church will face in 2021. That's what I was invited to be a part of. I, don't, I ignored it, but I don't know what they spun it. But the news, every a political ad, every angle that someone is trying to angle to you, they're trying to lead you by way of fear. Come be a part of what I'm doing and what I'm saying because everything else is scary, is fear-filled. The ads are, uh, you see maybe the end of a debate or you hear conversation online and they're saying things like, it's very concerning. And we all have concerns and it's important for us to navigate through wisdom. But if all we're buying is fear, then we're not living the way God's called us to. Can I get an amen? So if the advice being sold to you is buy into fear, buy into how bad and anxious you should be and how you're not believing the message of the gospel, can I get an amen? We say, if this happens, then be fearful. If this happens, then this will happen. And it's fear. Uh, everything is fear-filled. School, oh my gosh, what's happening in our schools? Fear-filled, fear-filled. What's happening in the economy? What's going to happen with jobs and fear, fear, fear? For some of us, we got the holidays coming up. So we're going to see family. That's fearful. <laughs> some of you... Some of you, some of you are going to eat your mother-in-law's meals. That's fearful. Are you with me? Not mine. I said you guys, but there's scary things on the horizon for us. And we joke around and we play, but, but the truth is if, if you actually spent the time categorizing much of the influence that is in your life is being influenced by this message of be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. However, scripture 
tells us more than 365 times. So more than one a day, the scripture tells us, fear not. Be a person who doesn't live and walk in fear. We all know the acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. That's all fear is. It's a smokescreen. It's not anything. So false evidence appearing real. And so the message that the enemy is trying to get out to you is be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. But it's all false evidence appearing real. Why? Because what God says is the only truth. Can I get an amen? So for us, we, we got to pay attention to this thing, fear. I think fear really matters. As a pastor, if I could categorize all the things that really hinder families, if I could categorize like, oh, this thing really hurts people and this thing really hurts people. At the top of the list, I would actually say fear is one of those things that does heavy damage. I see where fear in a marriage, fear that he's going to be this or she's going to be that or this won't happen and this will happen. And so there's this marriage that's led in based on fear and it destroys marriages. I've seen the same thing happen in careers. You have people who are on a career path or they're making decisions in their jobs, but because of fear, maybe fear how it used to go or what's happened to them before on other jobs. And so they walk in fear and they've damaged their career path because of fear. And so I'll see that. I see with parenting, people parent out of fear. And so they're raising their kids a certain way because of fear issues that they have. And it ends up hindering their parental ability. Are you with me? I see it in calls of God. People have calls of God on their life, and God wants to do great things through them. But because of fear or insecurity, all of those things wrapped under the umbrella of fear, they never do and fulfill what God's called them to be because fear has been their Lord. Are you with me? I would blame churches that walk in the same way. They are living in fear, fear of losing people, fear of offending people, fear of hurting someone's feelings or disrupting somebody else's belief system. And so they just stay neutral in everything. Are you with me? And it does a huge disservice to what God wants to do through the body of Christ because we're letting fear lead us. The number one promise or the number one command in scripture, the command used the most in scripture to believers is don't be people of fear. Why do you think the enemy is playing this card so hard about fear? Because he knows if we ever be the people who don't live in fear, he doesn't stand a chance. If we can just understand that God is with us and he's for us, and if we can just live in that, then the enemy is in trouble. Can I get an amen? God says, be bold, be courageous, walk out in faith, be faith-filled people. And the enemy says, be afraid, be fear-filled. Are you with me? Fear, write it down like this if you're taking notes, write it down like this. Fear is appreciating the enemy's ability. When we live in fear and we buy into fear and we believe into fear, it's like you're putting faith in the enemy instead of using your faith to believe God. Are you with me today? And so we say, oh, no, fear is just my thing. I come from a fear-filled family. We're all just kind of like not risk takers. No, no, no. When you believe more, the false evidence appearing real, when you're believing in that more than you are what God is saying, you're putting more faith in the ability of your enemy than you are believing God. Can I get an amen? Um, I feel like when we see Christians, like if I wish we had permission to do this, um, you can't do this on Facebook because you're not around each other, but maybe we'll do this in the room. I feel like when we see each other walking in great fear and believing fear, I feel like as Christians, you should be allowed to just slap somebody in the face. Wouldn't that be great? Who wants to lead that ministry? Anybody in here? Jess, put your hand, put, Jess's hand went up so quickly. We're not supposed to admit that stuff in person, Jess. Um, but for real, 
it's like it's so not our nature as believers to be bound by fear. That we should so quickly, when we see each other living and operating and believing in fear, it's like just smack, smack each other out of it. No, none of you are believing that. Okay, well, I'll prove it in Scripture because that's what I do. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 12 says this, I even, I am he who comforts you. I'm he who comforts you. Who are you that you would fear mere mortals? Human beings who are but grass. This is again, God, this is Jesus, this is God. This is heaven saying, hold on a second. What in the world are you doing? This is his slap to us. Like, what are you doing? You know who I am. I'm your God. I'm who I'm with, who's with you. I've defeated death, hell, and the grave. I've overcome anything that you should be fearful of. What are you doing fearing mortals? What are you doing being so bound by like the people of the world and the things of the world and the circumstances around you? He says, it's like, but grass. What is he saying? He's saying it comes and goes. Then he goes on to say this, that you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth. He's saying, you realize what I do, right? Like you realize what I'm able to do and I'm working on your behalf. Why in the world are you so concerned with these things? Why are you letting these fear-filled things be your Lord when I'm the God who does these things? Are you with me? He says this, you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction for where is the wrath of the oppressor? God's trying to get us to see, remember me, I got this. Whenever you're in fear, whenever you're worried, whenever you're in anxiety, he's saying, why don't you just remember and recall the things that I'm able to do? Can I get an amen? Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13 says this, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. There's one key thing here. We got to teach them, lead them instruction. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace. This is a promise of God that when we teach and we raise up and we instruct, whether our children or ourselves, it says there shall be peace in your life. When we're in the word of God and the ways of God and the principles of God and the righteousness of God, the promise of God is that there shall be peace in your life. It's able, you can't, well, no, I'm just a fearful person. Well, it's just, no, no, no. When you're in God, peace shall be a part of your life. It's possible for you is what I'm trying to get you to see. Are you with me today? It says this in verse 14, in righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. So oppression and fear and terror shall not come near you. You can be a person who can avoid and be separated from those things and a person who cannot fear. It's a promise of God. Are you with me? But it's something we have to work hard on. Last week, we shared out of Mark chapter 4, and we talked about the different seeds and uh, how they fell in different places of the ground. And so we pick up kind of in the same story here. Jesus gets done. He's with his disciples. He talks about all the different seeds, and it's an incredible teaching for them. But then he also gives them the scripture, uh, the parable here, where he's saying, your faith is like a mustard seed. And so he's building up the disciples. Like, if you have faith in a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And he's giving them just this incredible speech. And so they're all super motivated and inspired in the faith talk and the faith walk is up really high. And then the scripture says that they get in a boat and they go across the lake and a storm hits. And the scripture says that Jesus is sleeping and they go down and they wake him up. And it's like the first time we see, it's one of the few times we see in scripture where Jesus is like annoyed or almost a little bit angry with his disciples. 
which I actually like this because I'm not a morning person. And so I'm Christ-like then if you wake me up and you're allowed to be a little annoyed, right, when you first woke up. So that's Jesus. They come down, they're like, hey, bro, wake up. And he's like, you know, he's like, you're waking me up. Now I'm annoyed. And so now I'm going to tell you the truth. So the scripture says here that he basically says to them, you know, his response to them is like, guys, we just did the faith of a mustard thing, seed thing. We just, don't you remember the whole talk and don't be fearful, instead be faith-filled and tell your mountains to move. And now a storm is getting some water in the boat and you're coming down here freaked out in fear. And it's like, he, he, he responds with like this, come on. And I believe it's the same thing that he says to us. God's been faithful to us and he's been miraculous to us and he's led us, guide us, never forsaked us. He's always come through for us. Are you with me? We have all of these God with us faith mountain talks. And then uh, here comes another little storm. And here we are again. God, I'm freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, all the times, guys. Are you with me? And so, it's, and so he just responds. I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. And for a while there, you might have experienced this too. There was kind of a message when it came to fear that was kind of put out 90s type church. And, and there was this message of like, finger in your face, like God has never given you a spirit of fear. And so it's like, you weren't a very good Christian if you ever felt afraid of anything. It was like, it was like you just weren't walking with the Lord if you ever had times of fear. And that's actually not true. It's not biblical at all. Honestly, we're going to have times of fear. Now, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We have the ability to overcome the fear that we face in our life, but it's okay for us to have moments of fear. David says this in Psalm 56, verse 3. He says this, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Meaning it's possible to have faith and fear at the same time. Oh, I don't know, Pastor. No, 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 no. We got to, they don't. Listen, it's whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust you. What he's saying is I can be in a place that I fear fearful. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to quit. But I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep walking a path of faith. Fear is going to try to present itself. Circumstances and statistics aren't going to maybe look so good for me, but I'm going to keep on the path of faith, hope, and trusting God. Are you with me? Yeah. Whenever fear comes up, it's not going to lead my life. I'm not going to marry myself to it. Instead, I'm going to trust God and move forward. Can I get an amen? So it's possible. It's not wrong to have fear. It's dangerous to let fear be the foundation of your decisions or reactions. Worry, we've all heard this before, worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. So you're sitting over here just paying on something that's probably not even going to show up in your life anyway. And you're wasting time, you're wasting energy, you're wasting thoughts on something, false evidence appearing real that's probably not going to manifest in your life anyway. Can I get an amen? I thought about it like this. We all know fear is a liar. That's what fear is. It's just a liar in our life. It's somebody who continues to show up and tell you something that isn't true and tell you something that isn't true. And the reason I'm telling you I know that it's not true is because what God proclaims is true and it's not fear-filled. Are you with me? So think about it like this. How would you treat a friend that lied to you as much as fear lies to you? You'd probably disregard that relationship, wouldn't you? If someone lied to you as much as fear lies to you, you would break off that relationship, wouldn't you? Well, how come we stay in relationship with fear so often? Every time we lay our head down at night, there we are with fear again. We're walking through our workday and just allowing fear to just lie to us, lie to us, lie to us. It's time for some of us to break up with fear today. Can I get an amen? You know what, fear? You're not that good of a friend. You're a liar. Are you with me? And so you're no longer a part of my life. Matthew chapter 14 
We see another great example of fear and faith and how we react. Matthew chapter 14, it says that Jesus went off to pray and the disciples went ahead. So he sends them ahead. Of course, they're going on boat again. And he sends them across the lake and he's off to pray. In verse 25, he appears to them. It says this, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. This is the same thing as the other. Jesus just got done doing signs and wonders and the miraculous in front of them and with them. Minutes later, they've gone forward and now they're terrified again. They were faith-filled. They saw the miraculous. They were walking with God and seeing his faithfulness. Minutes later, they've now found themselves terrified again. We do the same thing. Verse 27, but Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Again, I want to double down on this thought. Notice he didn't rebuke them. You shall never be afraid. He said, don't, he said, take courage, which means don't stay in a place of terrified. Instead, move yourself to a place of courage. Get out of the fear and respond in faith. Get out of the fear and respond with courage. Can I get an amen today? And so he shows up to him saying, don't, don't do that. It was like this. He was saying, change your moment. He didn't say, don't be, he said, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. He said, take courage. He didn't say, don't get, don't ever get. Kicking fear requires action. Peter understood this. So he says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter understands, and we need to understand, that in order for us to be the people who kick fear for faith, it's more than just recognizing that you need to move from fear to faith. It actually takes action. We can say, oh, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be fearful. And you can say it, and and we believe in positive confession, but there's going to come a time where action is required. Can I get an amen? I don't want to be a person of fear. I want to be a person of faith. All right, what's your step out of the boat? So that's where Peter says, all right, Lord, I understand. I'm not going to be a person staying terrified in this boat, so call me to come to you. And so he goes to where Jesus is. Verse 29, he said, uh, come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Check it out. Only two people that we know of in human history have ever been able to walk on water, Jesus and Peter. What I'm trying to tell you is Peter was able to walk in the extraordinary because he was willing to leave fear. It's the same thing in our life. When we trust God and we move and take steps toward Jesus, God allows, it allows God to do the extraordinary, doesn't it? It allows us to walk in the miraculous when we're willing to leave the boat. Are you with me? Eleven other people missed the opportunity to to do the extraordinary because they stayed in a place of fear. Verse 30, it says this, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. What he did was he left a place of fear, took a step toward Jesus in faith. But while he was walking, he checked his circumstances, didn't he? Scripture says he began to look at the wind again and the waves again. He probably listened to the haters on the boat being like, you're not Jesus. You can't walk on water. What are you doing taking a step toward God? Oh, you're going to be religious now, huh? Oh, okay. And all the haters and all the negative started criticizing him doing the miraculous. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to do the miraculous in you. He doesn't want you bound in a lifestyle of fear and depression and anxiety and the heaviness of the world. Jesus says, my burden is light. This oppression and this heaviness, you're sitting in this room today because God wants to get you out of that. So when you take a step toward him, don't check your circumstances. 
It may be your first time here. You may have been coming here a long time, but I think it's a line in the sand for some today that you're going to take a step toward God and the haters are going to criticize you and you're going to say, no, no, I'm going to keep my eyes on God and I'm going to keep walking on this water and I'm not going to let circumstances and haters and critics sink me. Can I get an amen today? And so he begins to sink and he begins to go under because he checks circumstances. Um, Verse 31, it says this, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? That wasn't a judgment. That wasn't like a, why did you doubt? You're the worst. Yeah, that wasn't one. He was like this, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? You had it, dude. I'm your guy. Like, I'm your, Jesus. I'm your heavenly father. You had it. What are you doing doubting? Come on, you had it. And heaven wants to say to you, why are you doubting? This world, it's ripe for harvest. And I don't care what's happened to you or what's happening to you or where none of it makes sense. I don't care about any of that. God is being like, why are you doubting? Don't don't be little faith. Be big faith. Why are you doubting? We got this. Can I get an amen? Excuse me. I've shared before that um, we're Disney World people. We love Disney World. And um, and someday I'm going to find a way to sneak there and live there. Like the guy, the, like the guy who lived on the island. Did you hear about that? How the guy who like snuck onto the island last year and got arrested, he lived there for like seven days or something. Look it up. We're in a Facebook group together. I'm next. But anyway, so we always say this. We say we love our Disney World trips. We say our budget works like this every year. We put God first, and and we know we're going to tithe and we're going to walk in generosity. But the second most important thing in our family budget is our trip to Disney World. The mortgage will get figured out. Kids' education will get figured out later. But we love it. And so uh, our last Disney trip, uh, my daughter, who's going to be eight, pray for us, is uh, she loves the ride. She goes on all the rides. She's been going on all the rides since she was a kid. Uh, but there's this ride called Test Track. I think it's presented by like Chevrolet or GM or whatever. And the, the point of the ride is that you, you kind of pretend to build this car. And then once you've built the car, you get in the car. And of course, it does the test track. But it doesn't go upside down. There's not like all these, like anything crazy. But the problem with the ride for my daughter is the ride is on the top of a building. And it's banked turns. And so you can't see what's actually happening on the ride. She can only hear it. Are you with me? So she hears the car going loud. And she hears the people screaming. But it's unknown to her. And so here we are at the right. She's done Slinky Dog Dash and Splash Mountain and Space Mountain. She's done all the other things just fine. She loves them. But for whatever reason, this test track ride is so much easier than all the other ones that she's done. And so I'm going like, Caroline, like just took the kids ahead, uh, the other kids ahead, and, and they were doing the ride. And so I'm literally being like that dad at Disney World, like in the outside waiting line, being like, you're going to do this ride. And, <laughs> and we're at Disney and you're going to like it. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just literally doing like the whole thing with her and I'm going through all this, but she can't see it. She can only hear it. The winds, the waves, are you with me? And so she's just so fear-filled like, no, no. And I'm like, I know she's going to love it because I've been on all the other rides that she loves. And so I know the ride. I've seen the ride. I've experienced the ride. Like when the scripture says, uh, he's the beginning, he's the, he's the author and finisher. He knows the beginning and the end. That's what our heavenly father is. I'm saying the same thing. Like, I know what at the beginning and the end is. You're going to love this thing. Are you with me? 
And so I'm literally just trying to just get her to just, just get on the ride. You're going to love the ride. You're going to, I'm literally doing everything Jess tried to do to me to get me to go on the ride. She, I'm like, Mickey Mouse is going to cry himself to sleep tonight if you don't go on that ride. <laughs> I'm trying everything, everything. So sure enough, she finally goes on the ride, right? Her brother comes off the ride like, Caroline, you're going to love it. It's so great. So we go on the ride. We get on the ride. No joke. As you expected, we're like 13 seconds into the two-minute ride, and she's already like, this is my favorite ride. Dad, we got to go again. Like, she loves the ride. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I threw her off the top of the building. And it's funny and it's so relatable because again, as the heavenly father, right? And me in the story, the father, I'm going, I know you're going to love this. Get over the fear. Don't listen to the noise and the thing. Like if you could just trust me, are you with me? Just trust me. It's going to work for you. You're going to love it. We can do this thing. No, no, I don't like it. It's not going to be good. I, 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 I'm, I'm listening. I can hear it. I know I'm not going to like it. Every time a car would go by and someone would scream, she'd be like, see, see, that doesn't sound fun. And I'm like, you scream on all the other rides. That's what you do on the other ones. But we do the same thing to God. We look at circumstances and statistics and we go, see, God, see, it's not going to work. And God's like, trust me. Are you with me today? Just trust me. You're going to love this thing. And I just wonder if heaven looks down on us like, just please trust me and get on this ride called faith-filled living because it'll be the best thing you can ever be a part of. And I promise every time you trust me and I pull through for you, you're going to want to do it again and again and again. Can I get an amen? We say, no. Winston Churchill, I'll close with this, said this, fear and faith are two forces very similar that have the ability and power to create something out of nothing, bringing into being that which doesn't exist. You're basically creating your life, either faith-filled or fear-filled. I can't, I can't, it won't work, I won't do, and fear and fear and fear, and you're creating that it can't, and it won't, and it won't. <laughs> or you're faith-filled, I can, and God will, and he, and then God does. It's, it's like the same thing Winston Churchill is saying here. And so what we need to do is we have got to click into the understanding that God is for us. He'll never leave us. He's got a plan for us. And even though bad things may have happened to us before, God can restore us and God can redeem us. And his book is a book of promises. It's not a book of rules. It's a book of your best way to live, not a book of how God's going to keep you down and keep fun out of your life. No, God has a great life plan for you. And it's not a life of fear and bondage and being held back, but it's, it's a life of promise. Can I get an amen today? And so Joshua 1 chapter 8 says this, study this book of instruction continually, talking about the Bible. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. How do we live above fear? How do we live above the bondage of oppression and anxiety? We be a people who are married to his scripture. And then when we do that, success and prospering will be a part of our life. Can I get an amen? But we run to self-help book and we run to this next blog and we listen to this next person and we try to get all our advice from the ways of the world. No, success will surely come when we live committed to God's way and to God's word. So we got to be committed to that. But then here's why it's so incredible to be committed to that. 
because we have this incredible promise from God, which is found in Psalm 34, 4. It says this, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. So when we live in that word, when we seek the Lord, when we come to church, when we make sure we're on Facebook Live, when we catch up, when we miss, when we're, when we're seeking the Lord, the promise from him is that he hears us and he delivers us from everything that's trying to make us afraid. Maybe it's career, maybe it's your past, maybe it's your present, maybe it's your whatever it is. Seek the Lord. He's going to make your way successful. He's going to hear you and he's going to deliver you from your fear. Isaiah 41 verse 13. For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I'll help you. Not like never be afraid. No, no, no. That fear is there. I understand that. So let me help you. That's what the scripture's saying. Hey, 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 don't partner with that fear. Whoa, 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 no. Let me help you. That's what the heavenly father, the creator of heaven and earth, who's above and over every circumstance, I don't care what the statistic says about it. The Lord has sent me here to tell you that whatever is causing you fear, God is saying to you today, whoa, 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 whoa. let me help you. I want to be at your right hand. Don't fear. Let me take your hand. Can I get an amen today? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And because the Lord is our helper, I will not fear. What can this world do to me? What can man do to me? What can circumstances do? Nothing. Nothing to me. They can do nothing to me. Because the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear. Can I get an amen today?